Hello, this is Ethan Gonzalez for FutureCast 101, a student project of the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University. Today's topic is the future of urban warfare. How will militaries adapt to urban warfare? The reason that this is important is that in future wars, urban areas are going to be more important as there have been an abundance and rise of those areas. And if a war breaks out in any of those areas, militaries will learn how to adapt and fight in those areas. What makes this type of warfare so delicate are the civilians and the buildings. Since most of the time these cities are densely populated, civilians that are there are the ones suffering the most casualties rather than military personnel. Militaries have had difficulties approaching urban areas, but in the future, developed militaries like Russia the US and China and similar countries like that will have to adapt to urban warfare due to drone and civilian technology and its laws and regulations, peaceful times and heavy civilian casualties and tactics used by small insurgent groups are all the reasons that make urban combat dangerous. Because of this, we need to have new ways and new approaches to urban areas in combat. Now we have to ask ourselves, how will militaries now we have to look at how militaries will adapt to this type of warfare and what type of technology and tactics will be used in the future by these type of militaries like the US and Russia. We first have to ask ourselves if there's going to be a big enough war where these militaries are going to be able to test these technologies and tactics in urban areas. We still have small conflicts today, but total war with two developed countries seems unlikely. Just like the Cold War as an example, we're starting to see this new type of war described by researcher Miroslav as modern conflicts take place between the state of war and the state of peace. The momentum of military operations is intentionally restricted and the aggression level is stimulated. This type of war is more slow and less progressive, making it hard for militaries to operate in these urban settings. This explains how war is now happening in areas where areas have had conflicts that have only worsened over time. Like in the Syrian war, the casualties it caused through a four-month period were 1,554 documented casualties in Hama during this period and 2,037 in Homs, a different place. This new type of conflict lasts longer and is more complicated in these areas as building and civilians decide what tactics are used. Reporter Price describes it as messy, untraceable wars and hard to terminate. The reason that they're messy is that small military groups make their jobs easier by fighting in densely populated areas and basically using the civilian population as shields or as dummies. By them doing this, we rely more on technologies like drones to picture who are the enemy and who are the civilians in the field. A report describes these types of conflicts as the U.S has had an explosion of counterinsurgency in particular and irregular warfare in general in these type of countries and areas. The future of urban warfare will be influenced heavily with the conflicts between insurgent groups and larger militaries. This type of change can lead us to a more unconventional way of war, but as of right now, tactics are the same. However, in the future, we can see, we can see insurgent groups adapting to type of tactics and the U.S. and other countries like China and Russia developing better technologies, better drones, and better uh, military vehicles to fight against this type of counterinsurgency. The reason fighting insurgencies is so important to urban warfare is where we see the most type of war going on currently and in the future more likely.
We've seen this forever in history too as guerrillas usually oppose a bigger army and usually fight it out over decades or years making it harder for invading countries to go to urban areas without causing damages to the city and inflicting heavy casualties on the civilians inside. But this all changed with the introduction of drones recently in the 2000s and in the future going forth the future of urban warfare is uncertain as drones play an immense part right now. They're currently the most effective in combat and safer for militaries to adopt as we see how many have been sold. There has been an unparalleled proliferation of technological advances of consumers, UAVs across the globe, and in the past several years, over 2 million units were sold globally in 2016 alone. This also means that countries that are co the complete opposite of the U.S. also have this type of technology, changing the future of urban warfare. With the inclusion of drones, it's harder now to create new rules and regulations surrounding the use of drones, especially when it comes to urban combat, since civilians and military personnel are greatly impacted by this type of warfare. This leads to many questions left unanswered as killing an enemy is highly complicated and if killing like this is even morally correct. Targeted killing through drones has observable and morally relevant effects for not only the people and societies that are targeted, but also the society sponsoring the killing and the individual operating the drone. These are the main problems with the current drone program and tying in urban warfare only makes the problem worse as decisions become harder. What I mean about making decisions harder is that it's harder to depict who is friend from foe. With this in mind, rules should be made and who you decide to kill as in urban areas it's hard to identify friend from foe. Based off the book by Corwright theorizing regulations, instead it is killing on the basis of status, combatants versus non-combatants. In the future, this rule could become an example of a standard across all drone usage of every country. You should only be able to target military personnel instead of civilians. But in an urban environment, fighting an insurgent group makes the task much more harder. Even though we put these rules in place, more often than not, the opposing side will break these rules, especially when dealing with insurgent groups in urban areas since although drones could pick them off one by one, the surgeons will learn to adapt and survive. Cronin explains how drones have failed at fighting an unconventional war. Drones have avoided civilians about 86% of the time, whereas Al-Qaeda purposely ta targets them. This means that more often times than not, the enemy defending the urban area will use drastic countermeasures to combat this new type of technology and militaries like the U.S. can't counteract with drones and have to go in with military personnel. The other side of the argument are the drone pilots making these decisions as their mental health is a concern for the military and the future going forth. With drone pilots, the idea of killing and the moral compass they have becomes muddled as they enter a gray zone of deciding who to kill. An analysis created by the U.S. Air Force shows the results of drone operators. Demographic and operational variables reveal two significant findings. Drone operators working 25 months or more on station were 2.63 times more likely to meet PTS symptom criteria than those working less time on station, and operators working 51 more hours per week were times more likely to meet PTS symptom criteria than those working 30 through 
50 hours per week. This data shows us that the longer a drone pilot is in service, the more likely the pilot will have symptoms of PTSD. This causes concerns for the future since less soldiers are being involved, yet they still get injured in a different way than the traditional physical injuries. But at the end of the day, the civilians are the main ones who suffer the most since they're boxed in usually in a city and become casualties due to military error or attack. Hijazi and colleagues looked at how drones impact the minds of those involved. Data from the New American Foundation from 2017 suggests that civilians make up approximately 10% of the casualties in drone strikes in Pakistan and Yemen. Based on these results, we see how the drone still has that 10% chance of mistaking its target for a combatant. Although it might not seem as much, when you count the numbers, thousands of people are counted in, and 10% usually results in hundreds of civilians. Not only do civilians get physically injured, they also endure psychological trauma and also become exhausted as the conflict is happening in their own homes and often result years, if not decades. Hijazi, the same researcher, also shows us how this type of urban warfare affects an individual living there. In 2012, a trauma psychiatrist proposed that the traumatic effects of drone strikes amount to collective torture. torture. This type of trauma on an average civilian can cause severe problems over a long period of time. With urban warfare, this type of conduct is long and often involves an abundance of casualties on both sides. Due to this, the length of urban warfare is long and dangerous. All this happens while the civilians either flee or stay in their homes during the conflict. When this happens, militaries have to be more careful with who they select as targets since there is an abundance of non-combatants. With the combination of drones and explosive weapons, urban combat will become more heartless and based on what's happening on a monitor, they will decide who to kill or who to let live. A researcher named Robinson also explains that the thought process of military commanders is like this. According to this position, commanders are not only obliged to take into account the direct incidental damage that they may be expected from an attack, but must also consider the foreseeable effects of the attack. This type of decision making can become a standard in the future. Commanders are going to have a tougher time dealing with the consequences of destroying urbanized areas. As you know, urban areas are densely populated, and the humanitarian costs that come with the city's destruction also need to be considered by the commanders. With advances and joinings of two technologies, urban combat will become slow and filled with international disagreements. The other big factor that will ha have effects long after the, the conflict is over will be the economy and the system under the country operated completely collapsed. Robinson also explains how these effects causes damage to infrastructure. Past experiences and empirical data have also informed the foreseeable effects of damage to instruction of electricity, electricity networks. In urban areas, the infrastructure that makes the city work is heavily damaged during conflicts. It's extremely hard to keep this infrastructure in place while using drones and explosive weapons that indirectly always harm it. The current conflicts that are happening right now, like in Ukraine, are going to be an example in the future of what urban warfare can cause to the city. In addition to drones and explosive weapons, developed countries have the power to build and invest in new technology. On the other hand, you have insurgent groups that have less money to spend on weaponry, but they don't have to as they can easily make shift a weapon, like improvised explosive devices, also known as IEDs, out of any current or future technology. For example, work on a state-like robot is being made 
to meet the growing need for robotic mobility implementation such as disaster rec rescue, factory pipe maintenance, and terrorism surveillance, a considerable number of snake-like robots for ground locomotion have been developed in the past decades. These types of robots can be easily manipulated into creating an explosive weapon. Also, since it has a robot, insurgent groups can remotely control them and attach an IED to the back. Once robots similar like this hit the global market, they can be easily bought and transformed into weapons, making it the jobs harder for invading countries or for countries like the U.S. who have occupied other countries. There is also technology that is more complicated and more capable of changing completely the way that battles are fought on the ground. In urban warfare, it's hard to differentiate the enemy and to cause as little destruction to the city. With current technology, we will always indirectly destroy a major part of the urbanized area. But technologies like exoskeletons and exosuits augment human capability and reduce the chance of muscle fatigue, accidents, or musculoskeletal disorders in the long term. This type of technology opens up the world to a whole new type of, of soldier. A soldier who never gets tired and become stronger, faster, and going through training. If this type of technology is implemented into the military, it will become the standard in primitive form in the next couple of decades. Once you receive soldiers who have this suit, you maneuver easier and quicker through an urban environment. This type of technology will be considered eventually by militaries as current research on it is still being made and the suit will go through many changes. A normal soldier can only fight for so long, but this exosuit could change the notion. An engineer named Takur explains how an exosuit helps a person. For augmenting human gait in an outdoor environment using exoskeleton or exosuit, wearable, portable, easy to use, and lightweight are some of the essential, essential aspects to be considered, but together they are missing in the devices discussed earlier. This technology will be first tested by developed countries like the U.S., but they have a price tag that cannot be afforded by insurgent groups. This type of technology enables armies to better approach urban areas as foot soldiers are going to be more useful and in less danger. By looking at all these arguments, we can see that the military currently is making drastic changes and in the future we can see how technology greatly impacts how militaries will look at urban areas. This has been Ethan Gonzalez with Futurecast 101. Thanks for listening.